The didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McCarran from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, August 5th, 2012. Struth, Struth, are you okay there, mate? Uh, I can't see a thing here, Steve. It's pitch black in here. Wow. Have you turned everything off to avoid the carbon tax or something? <laughs> well, I should do that, mate. I'd save a fortune. Uh, mate, you'd save a fortune regardless of the carbon tax if you turned everything off in here. But why is it so dark? Well, it's because exercise pitch black is on at the moment up at uh, up in Northern Australia, up in the Northern Territory, and uh, all seems to be going well. Oh, well, yeah, they're having a great time. They're, uh, everyone's getting some great photos and hearing some amazing noise and watching as expensive fuel is burned by expensive aircraft, including our new Super Hornets and the Indonesian flankers. And yes, Mia Kulpa, David, you're right. Uh, our ex- esteemed David Vanderhoof was correct that um, some MiGs had taken part in a Western uh, Air Force uh, event previously, but uh, mm, for the rest of us, this is the first time they've been down here taking part in a um, military event. So, uh, yeah, sorry, David, you were right. I was wrong. And moving along. Yeah, so it goes for a few more weeks, this exercise. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, some uh, people that we know that live up that way uh, and are flying in and out of there have sent us some uh, some wonderful photos and some wonderful reports. So uh, I tell you what, Grant, uh, Darwin's a long way away from us here in Melbourne, but uh, I kind of wish I was up there, actually. Uh, pretty soon they're about to start doing the night sorties as well. So that may uh, get some good, good views of uh, aircraft taking off in the dusk. They're, they're generally not taking off at night. Um, it'll probably still be light, but they'll be recovering in the dark. Absolutely. Well, Grant, uh, speaking of the carbon tax, a uh, bit of a clarification from uh, some coverage that we gave to it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, we spoke about the uh, Aerial Agricultural Association um, of Australia and how they pointed out that thanks to the carbon tax, their prices could be going up as much as $18 per hour. We didn't quite clarify when we were talking about that. A couple of people thought that we were t- trying to say that was for all of GAE aircraft. No, it's specific to the aerial ag guys and their six cents per litre increase leading to an $18 per hour increase. Uh, that was based on an Air Tractor 802F turbine aircraft that burns about 300 litres of Avtur every hour. And according to them, the six cents per litre, they won't be able to be getting exemptions for that. They'll have to be passing that straight on. So that was a bit of a worst case scenario. It wasn't a general GA across the board scenario. So those of you who are flying uh, smaller uh, Avgas aircraft who um, are wondering how on earth six cents a litre adds to $18 per hour. That's how. Burn 300 litres of Avtur per hour and you too could be paying more. And uh, yes, Grant, a uh, word of thanks to our listener Peter over there who's based down here at Moorabbin who sent in quite a uh, lengthy analysis of that uh, $18 an hour and how it might work. And uh, Peter points out to us here in his email, uh, Grant, that he's uh, actually in favour of the carbon tax and uh, thinks that it's uh, sound economic policy. And of course, uh, we respect his right to his view. I just don't happen to agree with it as you may have noticed, Grant. (laughs) Yeah, well, we we're going to look at bringing Peter on the show. Um, he's got an economics background, which would be great. It'll be good to have a chat with someone who understands the number crunching. And uh, we can have a chat about uh, where all that's out. But meanwhile, that's a future episode of our show. Back to the Ausdesk. We need to keep moving, mate. And, uh, mate, moving in a really cool kind of way, potentially. We could be totally moved by what may be coming to Melbourne. Absolutely, mate. The uh, Red Bull Air Race. And uh, I tell you what, uh, we haven't heard of that for a while. In fact, it hasn't been running since 2010. There was some talk that it might come back in 2013 but uh, the latest reports we can find would suggest uh, 2014 and uh, of course there is an Australian 
League of the Red Bull Air Race from 2006 to 2010. It was held over in the beautiful city of Perth over in Western Australia. But uh, there's a number of East Coast Australian cities that are all competing for uh, the rights to hold it. Uh, should it come back in 2014, Melbourne is that's one of them. I say bring it on, Grant. That's right, mate. That's right. The big uh, discussion they're having is apparently uh, they're originally talking about putting it at Geelong around the other side of the bay. But uh, now they're talking about having it at Albert Park. And for once, I actually agree with the Save Albert Park people. Oh, I, say it's not I know, so. I know, but not for the right reason. They're, they're just doing it because they hate anything noisy in their beautiful Albert Park area, uh, which, as you've correctly pointed out to me in the past, Steve, was an eyesore until the Grand Prix came along. But I think the big problem is trying to hold it over the lake. The lake's not big enough to be using it as an actual uh, race space. I don't think you can do it looking at safety lines and all that. I think it might be a little bit tight. But have a look at St Kilda Bay uh, right off the beach. I was down there looking at it on the weekend and contemplating. You could have the temporary airport at uh, Albert Park. Absolutely perfect space for it. Great stretches of uh, turf and also of tarmac that could be used as the runway. And um, hop, skip and a splat straight across. You're, you're actually at the beach in seconds when you take off from the park. And uh, it would be perfect. And I'm thinking they've got their wires crossed somewhat. They're talking about Albert Park, but not to have the race over Albert Park, but to base the airport there and to have the the uh, race itself happening out over the water. Yeah, it will be interesting. Albert Park, if they do hold it in Melbourne, and uh, as you point out, Grant, it's right on the beach actually in Port Phillip Bay and St Kilda Pier, and it would be quite picturesque. Um, they do hold the Australian Formula One Grand Prix there. I, uh, yeah, it would be kind of tricky, I think, for them to hold it there. Uh, it would be kind of restrictive. I'll tell you what, if they uh, held that race airport, granted, anywhere else but Albert Park, well, it will make it a nightmare for us to cover, but uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, well, uh, you never know. It could wind up going to the Gold Coast or, you know, what about that beautiful icon of... Uh, fantastic flight environment Sydney Harbour could you imagine them hosting it in the harbour when you've got uh, the approach departure lanes for Sydney Airport going right over it it would be a nightmare although I would point out that in cities like New York and uh, other places like that even San Diego where they've held it um, you know they do seem to be able to work their way around that money talks I guess I suppose <laughs> if they were going to hold it I mean you know from a pragmatic standpoint I think probably holding it up at Sydney with the harbour bridge in the background would be uh, far more uh, marketable for them I kind of feel sorry for Perth actually Perth is a beautiful city and and where they have it there on the Swan River, I tell you what, it's just the perfect location, and the race airport is right there. So uh, the only thing I think that goes against Perth, and you know, the people, our friends over in the west, always get very upset when uh, you know a lot of the the events get pinched from over there and are brought to the east coast. The only thing that really goes against Perth, I think, is that it's uh, one of the most remote capital cities on earth. And uh, <laughs> although it's really only about a four-hour flight, you know, four or five-hour flight from the east coast, uh, you still got to do that flight, and it makes it a little bit difficult to attract big crowds. And uh, I think, unfortunately, if they want to make the Red Bull Air Race are more uh, marketable and going concern uh, and, and have it down here in Australia, then I think they're probably going to have to bring it somewhere over to the East Coast and, uh, you know, Melbourne, Sydney or the Gold Coast are all good locations if that happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but uh, just great to hear some Red Bull Air Race news at all, I think. Now, Grant, let's uh, switch to something else. Technologies, let's talk about some lasers. Lasers, yes. Uh, as you everyone's all aware, Air France AF447 had the big problem because of the ice over pitot tubes. That's that's one of the contributing factors. And uh, a number of aircraft have had problems with blocked or frozen over uh, pitot tubes. And some Australian researchers have come up with a, a laser-based system that actually lets you figure out your uh, air pressure information, but without actually having to stick a piece 
piece of metal out into the airstream. Yeah, Grant, it says here the laser, which is uh, similar in size to that of a high-end computer mouse, is calibrated to be a specific colour of light with a wavelength of uh, 760 nanometers. You know, I sound very intelligent when I talk like that. Oh, it's great, mate. It's uh, very well read. Uh, but as they point out, at that wavelength, a small amount of energy is absorbed by the oxygen in the air. So it's always been pretty hard to try and make this kind of thing work because they could never really get a good enough uh, reading from it, very micro responses. But now what they're looking at uh, is two lasers in opposite directions, gets them a very fine measurement and allows them to measure at those fairly low speeds. They're talking about fairly low speeds in terms of an airliner going at Mach 0.8, but uh, this is because the technologies come from the Scram Space Hypersonic Project, where they're traveling a heck of a lot faster. The sad thing about this is too, it's, it's often said that it takes a tragedy for uh, technology to take a leap forward like this, and uh, certainly the Air France uh, flight was, uh, you couldn't get much more of a tragedy than that. But uh, if something good can come out of that in the future, well, uh, this sounds like a pretty promising project, actually. I'm quite positive about that. And uh, good to see that uh, Australian industry is leading the way there, which, uh, you know, of course, uh, at the moment, that could be a problem, Grant, because another article we see here in the Australian.com.au uh, says that there may be an aviation skills shortage coming up in Australia. Oh, that's right, mate. It's all over the world, actually, the, the uh, skills shortage. A lot of people aren't going into aviation. It's lot, lost a lot of the um, glamour and the attraction. And honestly, I think a big chunk of it is you, you, it costs you so much to become a pilot these days and you're not getting it paid back. It takes you forever before you're starting to pay back. Whereas, yes, it costs you a lot of hard work and effort and time to become a doctor, but you can pay it back in spades. So it's interesting to see where this one's going, but a lot of awareness. There's a lot of um, forums and careers expos coming up where they're um, pushing the whole aviation angle. And the other part of it is that uh, Virgin and SkyWest have uh, started an ab initio cadet scheme with flight training in Adelaide, and they'll uh, offset the cost of your training and your um, some money towards your accommodation as well. And you just have to sell your soul to them for a number of years. You'll start off as, a, uh, I believe it's a first or second officer on a um, turboprop, and then after about 1,500 hours, you progress through to the jets. And there you go, Grant. We've gone a whole Australia desk without talking too much about Qantas or Emirates, which we've been doing constantly the last few weeks. I thought we did well. Oh, I'm very happy about that. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on in that area. But you know what? It's probably still going to be going on next week. Mm, I think there's some hidden agendas and strategies going on in the background at the moment. It's uh, very interesting to see what's going on here. But we might talk about that next week, Grant. Yeah, please. Because you know what? We just spoke about Qantas and Emirates. Sorry, folks. Oh, no. How do we do that? Oh, we suck it ourselves into it. Oh, oh, no. All right. Well, before we uh, make any more mistakes like that, we'll sign off here. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm still Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Southern Skies. Online media.